All right, Alexander, let's talk about a possible meeting between Biden and Xi Jinping. Uh, Politico picked up this story over the weekend. They said that from their sources in the Biden White House, they are very close to getting a meeting next month in San Francisco during the uh, the Asia-Pacific uh, summit between the Chinese leader and uh, the president of the United States. But just yesterday, uh, Wang Yi, the foreign minister of China, he said, not so fast, not so fast. We haven't gotten there yet. Uh, we talked about Gavin Newsom's debate, Gavin Newsom's trip to Beijing and how that might have been to try and and uh, get uh, a meeting closer together between uh, put closer towards uh, um, Biden and uh, and Xi Jinping. And uh, we're now at uh, at the foreign minister's statement of China, where he kind of put the brakes on uh, the potential meeting. He said that Biden has to stop lying. Is that possible yeah. to have Biden stop lying? Well, well, I don't, uh, I don't well, know if that's achievable. Well, well, exactly. I mean, the U.S. has been making enormous efforts ever since the start of this year to get a summit meeting between Xi Jinping and uh, Biden set up. It's not entirely clear what the purpose of this summit meeting is, but I suspect primarily and ultimately it's about election issues. The US wants to keep the situation with China at least somewhat stable at a time when everything else in the world is blowing up and going wrong. So we have a crisis in Ukraine, we have a crisis in the Middle East, let's try and avoid at the moment a crisis over the situation in the Indo-Pacific region. And of course, the other thing that I think is always worrying for the Biden people is that they also want a stable economic relationship with China in the lead up to the elections because they don't want more economic issues, you know, more trade issues with China, which might cause added, might, you know, increase the inflationary pressures even more. So I think that is what they've been trying to do. And they've been working incredibly hard about to, to achieve this over the course of this year. We had Blinken at one point going to Beijing. We've had other U.S. officials going to Beijing. Ye uh, Janet Yellen went there. The Chinese, for their part, have been playing very hard to catch. Xi Jinping himself was absolutely furious about um, the things that Biden said to him. Over the, upset about him over the course of uh, Biden's State of the Union address, then even as Blinken was in Beijing having a very difficult meeting, meetings with various Chinese officials, uh, Biden got apparently very angry about some of the things that um, the Chinese said to Blinken, and he stormed off to this meeting with the um, party donors, and he said all kinds of incredibly rude things about Xi Jinping all over again, about Xi Jinping being a dictator, about the balloon incident being basically because dictators can't lose face and all of those things. And that made the Chinese again very angry for a very long time. The Chinese, which is just not answering calls at all. But anyway, they made the Americans have made a huge effort to get this summit meeting going. We've had official after official going to China. We've had Gavin Newsom going to China. We discussed that in a program recently. We've had other uh, people. We've had uh, 
senators, we've had all sorts of people trying to get this summit meeting organized. And eventually the Chinese responded and Wang Yi has just been to Washington and he's had meetings there, first with Blinken and these meetings went on for two days. Then what from the Chinese and American readouts looks like a very touchy meeting between Wang Yi and Jake Sullivan. And there's even been a brief meeting between Wang Yi and Biden himself. Now, the Chinese readout, you read it very carefully, gives a kind of impression that uh, Biden gave some kind of mumbling apology for some of the bad things that he said about Xi Jinping. He talked about, you know, sending a, a message of greeting through Wang Yi to Xi Jinping, all of that. But I get the sense that the meetings did not, in the end, go terribly well. And the Chinese, who I think sent Wang Yi to Washington with the intention of trying to get this relationship back on track, at least some kind of track, and having a meeting eventually in San Francisco, they've, after speaking to Blinken, Sullivan and Biden, Wang Yi has come back and he's reporting to way to Beijing that he's not sure that this is a good idea after all. So uh, I get the sense that for the moment, the Chinese are far from convinced that this meeting would have any value. And um, Wang Yi basically saying that, you know, there is no real trust. They can't really trust what Biden says. Well, that ultimately tells it all. Yeah, I mean, we've been here before, right? Uh, Biden has met with uh, with uh, Xi Jinping. US, US officials have met with Chinese officials. And then the next day, uh, they go on to uh, onto the mainstream media and they call Xi Jinping a dictator. I mean, this is what always happens. They, they, they meet each other. They say the, the U.S. says nice things about China. They say, oh, your, our relations are at the best they've ever been, the best levels, that they, the, the best levels they've ever been. And now and uh, and then they go on to um, CNN and they say, you know, Xi Jinping, he's a tyrant. I mean, the Chinese fall for this over and over again, it seems. Are they, they going to fall for this again? I mean, if Xi Jinping goes to San Francisco, is it possible for him to go to the uh, summit and not meet with Biden? <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's, that's, of course, the big question. I mean, of course, he would have to meet with Biden. I mean, it would be uh, inconceivable for the president of a country to go to another country and not meet with the president of that country. I mean, it, it, I mean, that kind of thing just doesn't happen. I mean, it would be the kind of insult <laughs> that would not only wreck the meeting, it would send, um, it would send the relationship spiralling even down even further. And I, I, to be honest, I'm not convinced that the US would even agree to host Xi Jinping in San Francisco if he declined to meet with Biden. So, I mean, there, there, there is that thing. So if, if Xi Jinping is going to San Francisco, he is going to have some kind of a meeting with Biden. I personally think this. I don't think the Chinese have any belief, trust or confidence in this administration at all. I think if the Chinese do decide to go to San Francisco, they will have a pro forma meeting with Biden because 
He's the president of the United States and you must meet with him. But I think what the Chinese will be trying to do is they'll be trying to speak to various other people in the United States, their friends in the United States. The Chinese media has been rhapsodic about the meeting between Xi Jinping and Newsom. Basically, you know, giving this idea that Newsom is going to be this wonderful person who's going to make things better between China and the US. They're going to try and meet other people. They're going to try and get go over the head heads of the administration, talk to China, uh, American business leaders, American other political leaders, see whether they can work with those and in order to get round uh, uh, Biden and the administration that is there. And that might work with some Democrats. I mean, Newsom, for example, might go along with that. There are, as we know, many people within the Democratic Party, we're going to be very careful what we say here, who've got long-standing connections with China. Some American business leaders probably want it as well. But, and I've got to say this, if the Chinese think at the end of the day that they can do deals like that, they're going to be disappointed because my sense is that the overall feeling in the US is becoming so hostile to China that this is a runaway train and there's nothing, nothing could stop it. But I can see why the Chinese, who tend to be very practical and pragmatic and see things in commercial terms, you know, if we could find a common point to meet, Let's do so. It's a win-win situation for both of us. So why shouldn't we do it? I can, I can just about imagine that the Chinese might think that if they go to San Francisco, meet with other American leaders, meet with business people there, they can somehow find a way to get round the Biden administration and work towards some restabilization of the relationship. But as I said, I think if they do that, they will be disappointed. Yeah, I mean, they can do that, though, without uh, Xi Jinping. They can do that at without. The, at the summit. I know, yes. They can do that. He doesn't absolutely. necessarily, he, no. he doesn't have to be there to meet with, no. I don't know, say, no. uh, Tim Cook of Apple. You don't need exactly. Xi Jinping there to meet no, with No, no, no. But Cook, if, that's, no, if that's a business leader that you want to have beat uh, uh, a Chinese official. Absolutely. But do, be, do bear in mind that Xi Jinping does regularly meet American business leaders, for example. So, sure. you know, it might be it might be something that, you know, he might feel, or the Chinese might feel, that having the leader there, it's the way to do it. But, you know, I think that the reality is, even if Tim Cook of Apple and people like that want to maintain a good, strong relationship with, with China, I don't think that they are the predominant, they represent the predominant current within the United States. And I, I, you know, I have to say that, you know, business people, the Tim Cooks, the Elon Musks, people like that, pragmatic, you know, commercially minded, realistic. But that is not the spirit that you're going to find in Washington. There, it seems to me, the neocons are absolutely dominant. And I think that they're gunning for China just as much as they're gunning for everybody else. And I think the Chinese will find that they're going to be disappointed ultimately in this, just as the Russians have been. The Russians made years and years of trying to do the same thing. You know, Putin used to meet with all kinds of people, business people from America, business people from Germany, 
taking, telling them, you know, talking to them, getting intelligent discussions done. There would be Americans would business people would be invited to, you know, spief, all of that kind of thing. And in the end, it came to nothing. And I think the Chinese are probably on the same learning curve. Yeah. Yeah, whatever the Russians built over over 20, 30 years was 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 torn up torn up in uh in a matter of uh of a few months yeah. with the sanctions. So I mean yeah. yeah, I agree with that. I mean how how do the Chinese meet with uh with the Biden White House when in the in the spending package, the hundred and six billion, there's money allocated for Taiwan? Well, indeed. And how, it, how does that work? I mean, actions well, speak louder than words, and those are the actions. Well, indeed, exactly. And I'm still going to be funding Taiwan. Exactly. And, and when you actually read the Chinese readouts, I should say the Chinese readouts are always much more informative than the American readouts are. When you read that, those, you get the sense that the meeting with Sullivan particularly went very badly. And um, Wang Yi was bringing up relentlessly Taiwan. And we're saying, you know, this is for us a red line. I think that the Chinese have picked up on this spending for Taiwan. They're very, very angry about it. And that might be the breaking point. That might be the what eventually decides the Chinese that a meeting between a visit by Xi Jinping to San Francisco is um, not opportune. It's not a good idea at this time. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that might be the calculation the Chinese are make, end up making. So, you know, it, it's not a done thing that this meeting will take place. Now, bear in mind, the Chinese are forging ahead with other things. The Chinese um, are now hosting Sergei Shoigu, the Russian defence minister. He's currently in Beijing. Um, of course, Xi Jinping met and had a very friendly meeting, a very long meeting with Putin uh, just, just about, you know, two weeks ago. So, you know, the Chinese, they may be having this complex you know, attempt to, to sort out some kind of a deal with the Americans at the moment. But, you know, they're forging ahead, full speed ahead with all the other relationships that they're building up at the same time. And I think there is another factor which... It should not be disregarded, which is, I think that the Chinese feel that they are negotiating with the Americans from a strong position at the moment. Um, the Middle East situation is playing out to China's advantage. I think that is a fairly widespread view. I think the Chinese think it too. The other thing that's happened is we've had this big Sputnik moment, as I call it, this this year, which is this Huawei chip, which came as, I think, a shock to the US. The Chinese are able to say, look, all these sanctions, all these trade limits, all these things that you're doing are not working. And therefore, um, we're in a strong position with you. Our economy is now starting to gain speed. Your economy is looking increasingly um, edgy and you've got a fiscal problems. We're in a strong position. You're in a weak position. You need us. We don't ultimately need you. We can develop our technologies, build our industries. We've got our friends securely there in Moscow. We've got all the raw materials we need, all the food we need. We're not in under pressure. And I can, again, see how, from a business perspective... 
the Chinese might think that this gives them a strong hand. But of course, as we know, neocons don't think in these terms. They don't look at, you know, the fact that China has just developed chips. They don't look at trade routes and financial things. That isn't what neocons do. So again, if the Chinese think that they're in a strong negotiating position with the Americans, they're taking a commercial approach, a business-like approach, which the neocons don't reciprocate. Yeah, I don't think the I don't think the Biden White House and the neocons realize that uh, that the meeting didn't go well with uh, with Wangi. I bet you Jake Sullivan thinks it went really well, and I bet you he thinks that that he got uh, he got the best of of Wangi. I'm positive of it. Oh, absolutely. And uh, as far yeah, absolutely. And as as far as um, the Chinese believing that they have uh, that they have leverage over the U.S. or they're at least they're in a better position for negotiations with the U.S. Just uh, the other day when uh, the Australian prime minister was meeting with Biden and uh, they took uh, questions from the press, uh, Biden said that China is the one that's in a weak position. China has economic problems. China has, uh, has domestic issues and problems with uh, – Xi Jinping has problems in his uh, administration. He made it seem like it was China that's in, in the weaker position, which means yes. that Lincoln and Sullivan and, and all of these guys, this is what they're – they're uh, they're telling Biden this is this is the reality that they're presenting to to Biden. He's repeating that. So uh, obviously there's there's the Chinese who are pragmatic and live on planet Earth, and then you have the the Biden White House and the neocons who probably are are going into this thinking that they're the they're, they're the the masters of the universe, and China is going to be coming to the U.S. and they're going to. They're going to tell China what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And they're going to keep on funding Taiwan, whether China likes it or not. Uh, they think the Chinese are just going to roll over and, and accept it. I'm, I'm positive that's that's the way that, yeah. they're, uh, that they're thinking. No doubt about it. I mean, just, just to, to a final point, in, in the $106 billion, Alexander, it's the, the border wall. Okay, the southern border, fine. But the three conflicts, I mean, they spell it out for, for everybody. Russia. Iran, China, the axis of evil, uh, money to Ukraine, money to, to Israel, and money to Taiwan. Yes, I mean, I, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you, to, me, to my mind, you're completely correct. Again, this is the road that the Russians have already traveled. I mean, they've, they, it took them a long time to get here because, of course, um, accepting the fact that the other side is not rational is, is a very difficult thing for a government like the ones in Moscow and Beijing to fully understand. And the, the Russians, as I said, have already got here. I think the Chinese have not perhaps quite got there yet. I think, to be precise, I think Wang Yi, who's had many more dealings with the Americans than Xi Jinping has, uh, I think he probably does get it. Um, I'm not sure exactly whether there are other people in China, perhaps, people who are advising Xi Jinping and people who Xi Jinping has to listen to who perhaps haven't quite got it yet. But the Chinese will get there in the end. Now, I've got to say one other thing. If Xi Jinping decides in the end not to go to San Francisco, that would confirm that um, relations between the US and China are absolutely in the ice age. 
I mean, that would be, uh, that would be, you know, after all these efforts to try to persuade him to come, I mean, that would be a, you know, final confirmation that this relationship, for the moment at least, is dead. So it would be, uh, you know, a, a major decision by China to reject these overtures now. The, the US would undoubtedly see this as confirmation that China sees the US now as an, as an absolute adversary. And it's very difficult to imagine that any kind of contacts between the US and China could take place in a meaningful form whilst this administration remained in office. And that's something that the Chinese would have to consider because, of course, if there's any possibility that the Biden administration is re-elected at the end of next year, then the Chinese have to consider that that would mean that there would be no real movement of any kind with the United States for five years. And that's a long time. Yeah, no, you keep on trying. You keep uh, you, on trying. You never shut yeah. the door to, to communication yeah. and, and diplomacy, yes. but... Yes. Uh, you know, you try with, uh, you keep on trying with your eyes wide open, realizing yes. that uh, what what has happened in, in Russia is going to probably happen with you as well. Absolutely. I mean, what that, do do? Uh, absolutely. I mean, the other and thing is... And you wait for a new administration. Maybe you wait well, for a new administration. Well, I, I, I think, and this is what the Russians in the end started to do, and they did it very cleverly after 2014, is you prepare. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, 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 you continue to conduct discussions and negotiations, obviously do so in good faith, but at all times you work hard and you prepare your economy, you insulate your economy, you build up your military, you do all the necessary things so that when the crisis does eventually hit, you're ready. And again, it might be that China feels that it's still got more work to do. Very true. All right. We'll leave it there. The Duran.locals.com. We are on Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute, Telegram, Rockfin, Twitter, X, and go to the Duran shop. Use the code the Duran 20, 20% off all merch. Take care.